The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Raymond Summerlin, your host for this edition of the Roto World Football Podcast. And I will be joined today, as I am every single Thursday, by Rich Rebard to talk about the Thursday night game, as well as the most interesting data points from his worksheet column, as well as Nick Minzio, who has all the most important starts and sits for the first week of the Fantasy Football Playoffs Week 14. Before we get to that, however, I would like to remind you to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. It helps other people find the show. It helps us in the rankings, and we very much appreciate it. With that out of the way... Let's talk to Rich. What's going on, Rich? Ray, what's happening? Here we are, man. Week 14, which is usually the start of the fantasy playoffs for everyone that made it. And I'm assuming that the people that everyone that's listening to this show probably still is in it. You know, so uh, here we are, man, trying to get that first win. And, you know, hopefully you had a bye because there's a lot of uh, star power out there that has a lot of, you know, interesting matchups this week. Yeah, I was very happy about the week, the leagues that I had buys in. You know, Gronk's out. Juju Smith-Schuster is out, and that's, you know, oddly, a, a, who would have thought at the beginning of the year that that would be one that that might hurt some teams? That certainly would have hurt me in a couple leagues. You know, we'd have no idea what to do with Russell Wilson. We'll talk about him later. There are just, there are a lot of interesting situations this week. Yeah, I mean, you Leonard Fournette, I think, is a guy that is in, like, yeah. a terrible spot. I mean, Wentz, Carson Wentz has, like, an interesting spot. Like, he's, like, players you've been riding for most of the season. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about that Thursday night game because players you have been riding in that game, uh, you know, especially from the Saints side, uh, are, are not in, uh, in terrible matchups. Yeah, we can get started on it now with the Saints. I mean, the running game. We can just start at the running game. There's, like, I've lost ways to describe <laughs> Alvin Kamara. Like, I've run out of things to talk about with him because it's not interesting anymore. What do you do with Alvin Kamara? You put him in your lineup and you leave him there. And you put him in your DFS lineup, so no matter how high they make the price, and you just leave him there. And they actually have a good matchup this week, especially for Kamara. The Falcons have given up the most catches to running backs this season. And obviously, I would expect Kamara to add to that total in a big way. I mean, it's Falcons don't have the most vulnerable run defense. I think that... Their numbers are maybe even skewed a little bit. I think the run defense is actually okay, but that doesn't matter against this offense. That doesn't matter against Mark Ingram. So I'm not interested really in in talking about that at all. But the passing game, on the other hand, with what Drew Brees has been doing lately, I mean, you have to really be thinking about starting other people ahead of Drew Brees at this point, right? 
I mean, yeah, it depends on the options because he has to have like a, a pretty stable floor when the matchups have you know kind of lined up. And you look at Atlanta. I mean, they've allowed a QB one in five of their past seven games as well. So I mean, it's one of those kind of like uh, like you, you know I could probably get like a usable game out of Drew Brees, and then then you know we've kind of been. I think I wrote in the worksheet that I was basically like we're at the point where like we can't discount on the touchdown aggression like at this point like it's just it's just fleeting at this moment. And like you look at Atlanta side, I mean, forty five percent of touchdowns scored against. Atlanta have been been by running backs, so it sets up just the you know hook line and sinker for what the Saints have been doing. Uh, you know, Breeze has thrown you know one or fewer touchdown passes now in six games. It's the most he's ever had in a season while in New Orleans. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I think as a floor play, he's still fine. I mean, if you're counting counting on him to get like that thirty point game, like you would in the past in these playoff matchups, like man, I hope you know I've got thirty coming for Breeze. Gonna you know start this Thursday off right. Uh, you know that's probably not going to be in the cards because he, he hasn't been that guy this year. So I mean, yeah, I mean it would depend on the options. I mean it's kind of interesting streaming week. I mean it's it's tough to go into the bucket deep. Uh, I mean are you gonna play Deshaun Kaiser over Drew Brees? I mean the most handsome quarterback in the league. Are you gonna play him? It's 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 a lot. It, there's there's not a lot of like over the moon streaming plays this week. So it's, it's real interesting. The quarterback position is one of the biggest layouts uh, of the week, and we'll talk about it. Uh, you know, as we go on here, because we'll talk about Russell Wilson a little bit later. And, and, you know, for those that don't know, Mr. Raymond Summerlin, the host of the show, I'm the one giving the data points, but Raymond Summerlin is the, the number one quarterback ranker on the season in Fantasy Pros. So, I mean, I, I want to know what he's doing with guys like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. Well, first of all, after last week, I think that that's probably going to change. Um, <laughs> last week wasn't the best. But but I will say that I when you say that Atlanta has given up that many quarterback one matchups, that is true. But so much of that has been on the ground. I mean, they've given up, I think it's the second most yards on the ground to to quarterbacks this year, the third most touchdowns. They had that run of three games there where they were just giving up a ton of points on the ground. If you actually go back and look at what they've been doing from a passing perspective, it really hasn't been there. They've given up more than 265 yards through the air just twice this season. They've actually been doing a pretty good job limiting passing attacks. Obviously, we know Drew Brees isn't going to run the football. I think he, he hasn't run for more than 15 yards since like 2014. It's been a very long time. And like you mentioned, the touchdowns just haven't been there. He's averaged 6.4 games with three or more touchdowns since joining New Orleans a season. He had eight of those last year. He had 20 combined in 2011, 2012. That's what we've come to expect from him. And that's just not there. He's done that once so far this season. You've mentioned how bad he's been recently. I am not that interested in Drew Brees this week. You mentioned the most handsome quarterback in the league, Jimmy Garoppolo. I would start him over Drew Brees. I would start Jameis Winston over Drew Brees. That's kind of where I am with him. And obviously both those guys have good matchups and are in kind of good situations. But I think that Drew Brees is like a, he's a top 15 quarterback still, but I, I'm just really not that interested. Right on. Yeah. J- Jimmy G's an interesting guy. Cause uh, you know, I think, I think I got Kaiser as my main streamer this week. Uh, the, Jimmy G is a, is a fun topic though because he he had the seventh highest game in you know passing yards per drive and they only had eight possessions in that game last week he almost threw for three hundred yards uh, you know and, and the matchup is great on the road against Houston um, I'm a little concerned about the touchdown upside but like you said with Breeze I mean you yeah. haven't been getting the touchdowns anyways so yeah I mean it's 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 a real interesting week for the quarterback layout this week I, I agree let's get on to Atlanta another interesting quarterback thing what do you do with Matt Ryan at this point yeah the matchup's not great I mean he hasn't been he hasn't really been performing so are are you interested in starting either of the quarterbacks I guess in this game if if Marshawn Lattimore is a surprise not gonna play then it elevates him and we look at the past three games um 
you know, teams have really put it on the Saints in the passing game. You know, with, with Lattimore, you know, leaving that Washington game in the past two games he has missed. They've given up a lot of production there. But you talk about Ryan, he's, he, the, his highest week has been QB 10 on the season. He's thrown for 215 yards or fewer in three of his past four games. He's just another guy just hasn't had a, a ceiling to latch on to. Uh, I mean, like I said, he can get a bump if Lattimore is, but he's like strictly just like in Q, QB2 land for me at this point. Yeah, and you mentioned the the yardage. A lot of that's because he just hasn't been throwing. And what the Vikings were able to do last week, and in part because the Falcons just couldn't get a third down, convert a third down, but the Vikings were able to control the ball, dominate the time of possession, limiting how many plays the Falcons were able to run. And the Saints can do that as well. The Saints are pretty high in time of possession as well, obviously with their running game, which we expect to be pretty good. So I'm worried about really everybody in this passing game, including Julio Jones. And, and you mentioned it, if Marshawn Lattimore is able to play. Now, you're not benching Julio Jones, obviously, but I think we could see another kind of depressed game like we saw last week against Minnesota. What do you think? Yeah, I think it'll probably be, I don't think it, was, it might be as bad as the Xavier Rhodes game uh, because we, you know, Lattimore probably, even if he does play, probably won't be you know full bill of health. But, I mean, Julio is a guy that up until that Tampa Bay game was like kind of just like a, a high floor play. And I think that's what he will be kind of in that, like, you know, kind of give you like that he'll flirt with double digit points. But it's not going to be a game where he's going to, you know, tilt the week for you. I think that does that is going to be my expectations if Lattimore does in fact play. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's from a pass game standpoint, I mean, this is a game from a real football standpoint, this game looks like fire. It's going to be one of the, it's a bit, yeah. actually, there's a lot of those on the slate this week. You know, when you talk about, you know, Jaguars, Seattle, and Rams, Eagles, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, really good football games that ha- have like really lower, you know, fantasy like implications under the hood. And outside of the Saints backs in this games, I mean, I think it's just business as usual. Uh, with the rest of the guys, you know, I think that the, those two running backs for the Saints are the ceiling plays, and then everyone else is kind of just like how you would treat them. I kind of have the same expectations of what they've been giving us. Uh, Ted Ginn's probably the only guy like I feel kind of like down on just because Atlanta's not giving up vertical passing yardage. I know he hasn't been strictly used as a, as a vertical guy this year, but I mean this is, this is a team that just not giving up splash plays. The Atlanta Falcons, so I mean he'd be like a guy if I was had been using as like a wide receiver three or like a flex, I'd probably have more hesitation to use him on Thursday than uh, I had at this point in the season. I agree with you, but then again, I look at the total of this game and it's fifty two and a half. You're right, right, and so it man, it's <laughs> yeah. So it seems like it seems like. You know, either you bet the under or someone other than those two backs is going to take off. I do still kind of like Devontae Freeman. He came back, played 74% of the snaps last week, didn't get the carries he should have gotten because he was the best part of that offense last week and they were still rolling in Tevin Coleman for more carries than I would have liked to see. And if you're going to attack the Saints defense, they have been, especially if Lattimore plays, which I think we're assuming he will, he, they have been much more vulnerable to running backs than they have been to than they have been to the passing game. So I am in on Freeman. I think that he's going to be in that kind of back end running back one. But like you said, it's there's not a lot to get excited about in this game except for the New Orleans running back. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on Freeman too. He looked really good. He had a couple runs called back in that game. Uh, yep. The the one thing with Freeman is that it's really weird, and we can lump Tevin Coleman in this too. Is that you know the, the the one is the usage has been really really kind of a, kind of an issue. He's got. 15 or fewer touches now in five straight games. And the thing about the Atlanta team that I can't really understand why they're not doing it is they aren't throwing to these guys this year. 
Like, yeah. they're not getting any receptions out of the backfield, which is kind of a bummer because the Saints are a team you want to target with, you know, receivers out of the backfield. I mean, they're 24th in receiving points out of the backfields. Uh, we would expect, you know, we would want to expect, you know, Freeman and, and Coleman to be involved in the passing game in this game, but they haven't been to this point. Uh, you know, we'd like to hang our hat on that, but I mean, this, it's an opportunity to get them involved in it this week. I am. It's funny the way we're talking about this game. I'm really looking forward to watching this game. But, right, me too. <laughs> but it just might, you know, it might not be as exciting from a fantasy. That's perspective. what 13 weeks of this will do to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's all dark. Everything's dark. <laughs> I did just watch Justice League, so I still haven't got that filter off my eyes. So everything's everything's dark. All right, let's move on to the worksheet, which I've said. Now this is the 14th time I'm saying it this year. <laughs> you should read it every week. Make sure you start your research there. And one of the more interesting questions, and we've alluded to it already, one of the more interesting questions this week is going to be, what do you do with Russell Wilson? He has far and away scored the most fantasy points among quarterbacks this year, but he's facing a defense which has far and away given up the fewest to quarterbacks. So how are you handling the situation? Yeah, I've had an infinite amount of Russell Wilson questions already just three days into the week. He's a hot-button topic for owners, you know, heading into Jacksonville on the road. I mean, Wilson has... Wilson has relied on the Seahawks not being able to convert like an abundance of short scoring opportunities on the ground. It's elevated him to that elite fantasy football option, you know, amongst a few other things. Seattle ranks third in the league and plays run inside of the opponent's 10 yard line. Uh, they lead the league and plays run inside of the five yard line, opposing five yard line. And their running backs uh, have converted zero of 11 rushing attempts inside the five yard line for touchdowns. And they've converted none of seven rushing attempts from the one and two yard lines for scores so far in the season. That, that has inflated Wilson's stock. He's getting those 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 real short TDs. He leads the league in fantasy points scored from inside the 10-yard line. He leads the league in fantasy points scored inside the 5-yard line of the season. Inversely, opponents have run league lows of just 48 red zone plays, 18 plays inside the 5-yard line, and opponents have run just 5 plays, 5 plays inside the 5-yard line into the Jaguars this entire season. Uh, so there's like a great, like, you know, uh, you know, positive st- positive uh, data point versus like another positive for the Jaguars. So it's like a complete yin and yang, strength for strength game. I mean, there's also kind of, when you look at this matchup, there's strength of schedule arguments to be made for both Wilson and the Jaguars defense, but we kind of still both inherently know that they're very good regardless. Yep. I mean, Wilson has been the QB nine or higher in nine of his past 10 games, but he's faced just two top 10 pass defenses and passing points allowed per game. Uh, and one of those, he finished the QB 20, which is that road game against the Rams. And Jacksonville has yet to allow a QB one season. They're the only team in the NFL, but they've only faced three quarterbacks that have been QB ones on the year. So, I mean, in a week where like many, you know, two 2017 fantasy anchors we've alluded to are in sketchy spots. Wilson's one of those guys that many owners are asking about. So, I mean, um, I, I, no one cares where I rank them. They want to know where the number one QB ranker ranked them. First of all, that needs to stop. And second, <laughs> I mean, and someone's got to do it for you. Someone's got to do it for you. And secondly, um, I have him ranked, I believe, eighth, eight or ninth, somewhere in that range. And I think that, as with all questions like this, I mean, you talked about it with mm-hmm. Breeze. It depends on who you have. And I don't think, with Breeze, I am willing to to kind of dip into that streamer pool to go and go and get somebody I don't think I am with Wilson, and I think it's because of his rushing ability. And that's something the Jaguars have actually given up. They have given up some yards on the ground this year to quarterbacks. So I'm not I'm not really shying away as much as I otherwise would. If he was somebody that relied completely on passing, if this was if this were Philip Rivers, for instance, or Eli Manning, or or someone in that vein, Derek Carr, I am I would be completely avoiding it. But since it's not, and since we've seen Wilson create some magic, I am lowering him, but I'm not going away from him completely. Now that said. 
they're going to be teams that have better options. They're going to be teams Mm -hmm. that have Russell Wilson and Alex Smith. They're going to be teams that have Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz. And even though Carson Wentz is not in a great spot either, he's somebody that I would, I would play over Wilson. So there, there are options there, but yeah, I don't think that I'm abandoning him at all because he does have that, that trump card, which is his ability to create points with his legs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of talked about it at the beginning of the week. I thought, like, he's got, like, I think, like, a probably, like, a 15 to 18 point, like, reliable outlook here is what I'm thinking. Uh, my my short list of guys uh, outside of Tom Brady would be Philip Rivers, Jameis yep. Winston, Alex Smith, uh, Carson Wentz, and Derek Carr, and then Stafford if he plays. That probably, like, would be the guys, like, if you have those options, I think that I would think that the ceiling for those guys is higher. I think there's a case to be made for Josh McCown, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, yep. and I'm going to hold off on that. <laughs> Winston's the one that I would be because Winston is still out there in, mm-hmm. you know, everybody dropped him rightfully, by the way, dropped him because yeah. you don't keep you don't keep quarterbacks like him on your bench um, and waste a bench spot. But Winston is still out there in a lot of leagues and he is the one that I would be tricky. I think that I'll have them very close. I think I have Winston like ninth or 10th and, and Wilson eighth or something like that. So that one is arguable. But yeah, the other ones I agree with. If Stafford's healthy enough to play, I agree. And, and then the other names you mentioned, I agree with. So yeah, he's kind of in that range. And it as always, it depends depends on your options. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to Jamal Williams, who even with Aaron Jones healthy, and he was healthy. We saw that on the overtime run that he certainly was healthy enough to play. Jamal Williams just absolutely dominated the backfield work, dominated the snaps, dominated the touches. Do you expect that to continue? Yeah, the, the running back position for Green Bay has been quite an adventure this year. You know, at first we thought Ty Montgomery might be like the next combo volume stud with like a high floor that was like impenetrable. Then he got hurt. And then Williams, uh, who was drafted first and then consistently played ahead of Aaron Jones all summer, immediately got hurt. And then Jones, who you and I and uh, uh, many others, yep. to be fair, like were really interested during the draft process, took over and played extremely well, like we all had hoped. Then he got hurt. And, you know, now we're back kind of, you know, almost full circle to Williams being the lead back and the Packers haven't exactly just given opportunity back to uh, to running backs you know as evidence from Ty Montgomery Ty, Ty Montgomery earlier in the season so I mean we saw that happen again last week I mean Williams had 23 of the 24 running back touches a week ago with Jones active again although the one touch was pretty electric uh, yep. you know as and as a lead back though Williams has uh, progressively gotten better I mean he's had 95 135 123 yards from scrimmage only Le'Veon Bell has more touches over the past four weeks than Jamal Williams is 91 and he's turned those touches um, into positive touches, you know, here the past few weeks. He leads the league in most runs of five or more yards over the past four weeks with 30. And the Browns, who had been shutting teams out on the ground, have gotten slightly leaky due to, you know, some injuries. They're starting to stockpile on them. They lost. Jamie Collins really was a, a, an impact anyways. But Emmanuel Ogba, who is a big edge setter for them in the past few, three weeks, they've allowed 119 rushing yards per game to just opposing backfields. Uh, so, I mean, Jones may force a little more of a timeshare moving forward, but I think Williams is set up to be a contributing option to Fanny Slimes again in Week 14. I still believe that McCarthy's preference is to have that feature back. We saw it in the early Eddie Lacy years when he's playing like 65% of the snaps. You mentioned what we saw with Ty Montgomery the first three weeks of the season. I think that that's their preference, and I agree with you. I think Jones is going to get more touches because he almost has to. They can't run Williams in the ground like that, but... It doesn't matter that you and I would rather see Aaron Jones playing and, <laughs> and most of and most of Twitter would. I agree with you. I think it's going to be, you know, Jamal Williams. A guy I I read the situation completely wrong on last week was Josh Gordon. I didn't expect him to just be thrown in the fire like that. At least early in the week it became pretty clear by the end of the week that that's what they were planning to do. Moving forward, are are we treating him as the number one receiver in Cleveland? Yeah, and it was hard to stock because Hugh Jackson's, you know, sold us a, a bag of beans all season. So I mean, it was Hi like, Duke Johnson, gonna, yeah, 
Yeah, how are we going to believe anything he said? But he did back up his word that Natalie Gordon would start. He would play a lot. Gordon played 76% of the snaps. He received 34.4% of the team targets. That was the third highest rate for all receivers in the league last week. Uh, and he was targeted on 37.9% of his routes, which is the highest rate of any receiver last week. Um, you know, sure, he only turned that opportunity into four catches for 85 yards. But in a tough matchup, you know, he did, you know, flash us that upside that made him such a coveted player in fantasy to have. And, you know, it gave us – it while we wanted from last week was the confidence on him for moving forward. And I think that he did that with that, you know, he had that nice 20-yard catch over Casey Hayward. He had a 39-yard catch and run that showed us that, you know, that speed-power combo that he has. You know, like he's got that, like, Julio Jones after the catch read. He don't look like he's running super fast, but he he's faster than everyone that's chasing him. Um, and, you know, now this week he gets a much more favorable draw. If he can roll the opportunity over there last week, I still would think Corey Coleman's going to get more than four targets because he's going to have a feral matchup as well. But if he can still roll over that usage, you know, in, in a better matchup, you know, a, a Packers defense that's 31st in points lot per target to opposing wide receivers. They've had 13 top 20 scoring wide receivers in the season. That's second most on the year. Uh, you know, I think that he showed us enough last week to be a confident play in fantasy lineups, not only this week, but now that Jimmy Smith is out, and then you look at the Bears the week after, you're just getting lit up by wide receiver ones too. Uh, he is be going to be probably a starting option for this, this stretch run, you know, for the fantasy playoffs. And the real concern you have with him is Kaiser and Kaiser's right. inaccuracy. You mentioned the big plays he had. He probably should have had two more. There was a deep shot early in the game, probably should have been a touchdown. There was another in the third quarter where he just ran by. I think it was uh, I think it was Williams there. He just ran by him and and Kaiser missed him. There were a couple more short ones. So I agree with you completely. This he, you were starting Josh Gordon at this point, but you know, it it could end up being annoying because of because mm-hmm. of Kaiser. And and speaking of annoying, Hunter Henry's season has been almost a definition <laughs> of annoying at this point. Uh, the Chargers, I don't know why, what they're, I don't know what they're thinking, but at this point in time, they are actually using Hunter Henry, and the matchup couldn't be better. Are, are you are you in this week? Yeah, you hit upon it. They've gone in and out of spurts of incorporating you know Henry into their game plans for some odd reason, but he's currently on that uptick in usage. He had a career high nine targets last week, uh, and twenty point nine percent. Uh, the team targets, which was his highest rate in the game since week six of last season. Uh, he now has 19 targets over the past three weeks. And you kind of, the thing, the weird thing is he hasn't needed much opportunity to thrive. We just want him to get some in the seven games in which Henry has reached just uh, a double digit percent target share, just 10% of the team targets. I mean, he's been a tight end one, six of those seven games. He's averaged 67 yards receiving per game. And that's on just scoring three touchdowns. We're not talking about him just scoring touchdowns and inflating his totals to be a tight end one. Like he's actually been productive when they just give him five targets a game. Uh, his recent updraft could be opponent induced, but he gets, like you said, he gets another amazing outlook outlook this weekend. He's at home against Washington. Washington is 27th in receptions allowed per game to tight ends, 30th in receiving yardage allowed per game, and they've allowed a tight end to score in four of their past five games. Henry did get shaken up at the end of last week's game, but he did. it looks like he did put a limited practice today, so I mean, he's already trending in a positive direction to be available. So I mean, this is a week where I think that if you were, you know, if he's not available, but you know, obviously if you had Gronk, but I, I think he's still a, a starting caliber option when you look at the tight end landscape this week. Please throw the ball to Hunter Henry. Just keep, yeah, keep using, keep throwing it. Who else do you have to throw to other than Keenan Allen? Chargers, <laughs> Austin. Please, <laughs> please, just throw the ball to Hunter Henry. Thanks as always, Rich. Remember, you can read the worksheet on RotorWorld.com, which you should absolutely do. You can follow Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves, and I will be back with Nick Minzio in just a second. And we are back with Nick Minzio, who writes the Stardom and Sitem column every week 
at rotoworld.com. So make sure you give that a read. How's it going, Nick? What's up, Ray? Three more weeks, man. Three more real yep. weeks, I guess. Got the fancy playoffs kicking off. So it's finally coming to an end. Yeah, we're looking. I'm looking forward to it. How'd you do in the season long leagues? I know you don't play as many anymore, but how'd you do? Yeah, we had a bunch that started in week 13, like those double week playoffs. You know, people hate those. Yeah. Some people like them, but I'm not a fan of them too much. I got eliminated in, in two of those four. And uh, I faced Le'Veon Bell last week in the first week of the playoffs. And then <laughs> I had Rob Gronkowski and Zach Ertz on that team. So not looking good for me. Yeah, not 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 going well at all. But but yeah, we're still looking forward to it. Still have DFS. Oh, so yeah, of course. These guys that we're going to talk about, you know, that's certainly applicable in DFS as well. And let's let's get right to it. A guy that I can't get right. I was all in on Alfred Morris on Thanksgiving. He flopped. I backed off last week and he got 27 carries. So obviously I need help. How should I feel about Alfred Morris this week? Yeah, had had the best game of his career in the past like couple seasons last week against the Redskins Redskins in that revenge game. Hang, handled 27 of the 37 running back carries for Dallas. Uh, played a season high 55% of the snaps. A lot of it had to do with the Redskins turning the ball over four times and sticking the Cowboys to a big league, but it was it's pretty evident Dallas wants to re- remain like a run-centric offense, even with Zeke out another couple weeks. Uh, Dak hasn't been getting it done as a passer. Receivers not creating separation, so I, they clearly want to run the ball and Here's another good spot for Alf. I mean, the matchup's awesome. Uh, the Giants are 24th in run defense, DVOA, uh, dead last in rushing yards allowed, 24th in fantasy points allowed to running backs. And over the last five weeks, the the Giants are hemorrhaging 4.54 yards per carry to running backs. Marshawn Lynch just had a 17 to 101 line against them last week. Uh, that was his first 100-yard game of the season. Samaj Piran had 130 total yards against them two week, three weeks ago it was, and then Carlos Hyde had 104 yards against them four weeks ago. So Dallas offensive line's healthy again after 10-day layoff. I think Morse is a firm running back to this week. Yeah, and I mean, you have to look at how good he's been over the last four games, even with some toughest matchups. He's averaging 4.8 yards per carry. The question for him is just volume. That's going to be the question. Mm-hmm. With them as four-point favorites, you like to think that they're going to be able to stay in the game script to keep giving him carry. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in on him. I do. I am worried. You know, I, I remain worried that he's going to get scripted out somehow, right. but, but I'm in for sure. A guy I have no question about is Marquise Goodwin. I think that he's going to be great this this week. Are you in as well? Oh, totally, yeah. Uh, saw a team high eight targets last week with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 21.6% of the market share in Garoppolo's first start and a tough spot against Chicago, too, on the road in Chicago. That's always a tougher place to play, even though the Bears kind of get written off a little bit. But Goodwin caught all eight of those targets uh, for 99 yards. He ran a little bit of a more diverse route tree than we're kind of typically used to seeing him run. We're used to him running like go routes every every play, catching a, a deep ball or two every game. But it was a little different last week. Only had a long catch of 20 yards. Uh, he's seen at least six targets in three of the past four games. The one where he didn't, he scored an 83-yard touchdown. So he's been awesome the past month. And at, even at five foot nine, 179, 179 pounds, Goodwin second on the team with 10 red zone targets. So they're throwing the ball in all positions. And this Texans defense just has surrendered the eighth most fancy points to receivers, eighth most yards to the position, fifth most touchdowns, uh, no weather issues whatsoever. Uh, I like Goodwin a lot in this spot. I think this game could hit the over easily. Yeah, and the way I'm explaining Goodwin this week is he's a big play threat with bankable volume and a good matchup. What else What else do you want? That's that's what you want in a fantasy starter. Devin Funches has been a fantasy starter ever since Kelvin Benjamin was traded. He's been extremely good, especially in PPR leagues. But you're not interested this week. Why? Uh, mainly because Xavier Rhodes, but... 
Funchess's role hasn't really even grown that much since uh, the trade. Before the trade, he was averaging 8.1 targets per game. And since the trade, he's averaged 8.0 targets per game. So he's event- uh, essentially the same role. Uh, I mean, even though he is clearly the number one receiver now, they're just not throwing the ball to him much more. Uh, he had a he had a bad first three quarters last week against the, against the Saints, but turned it on to finish with four catches, 60 yards and a touchdown with a big fourth quarter. Now gets this tough date with the roads. Like I mentioned, uh, he shut... Road shut down Julio Jones last week, held Jones to two two catches for 24 yards. Uh, the only real crack in his armor has been that Thanksgiving game against Marvin Jones where he allowed two touchdowns and like just a massive game to Marvin Jones. Don't remind me. Right, <laughs> yeah. No one was on Jones in that spot on Thanksgiving, so we all lost our money on that one. But uh, Rhodes has just been awesome outside of that game. And uh, as a team, Minnesota ranks ninth in pass defense DVOA, 10th in pass yards allowed. Uh, this game has a real small 41-point total. It figures to be like a defensive slugfest between two of these top NFC teams. So I'm, I'm just downgrading Funches to wide receiver three territory with like big bust potential. Yeah, I think that he's a lot like Latavius Murray last week where you're not going to bench him probably. Mm-hmm but you're lowering expectation. Is that kind of how you're viewing it? Yeah, definitely. All right, let's talk about Duke Johnson, who is coming off his worst game of the season. I mean, we don't really know how they're going to divide touches anymore in that backfield. It seemed like Duke was taking over. Now Crow has been back. Do you think that do you think that Johnson's going to continue to do poorly this week against the Packers? Yeah, I mean, he played his normal 54% of the snaps last week against the Chargers, but with Corey Coleman now healthy, Josh Gordon back from suspension, David Joku uh, taking on an increased role in the, in recent weeks. Uh, he touched the ball just nine times and his four targets were his four targets last week were his second fewest of the season. So it's hard to get behind a guy that's just not seen volume, uh, already split snaps in the backfield. Gordon saw a team high 11 targets last week. Uh, the Browns definitely want to push the ball downfield. These guys, him and Coleman and, and Joku, uh, after being the focal point of the offense most of the year, I just think Johnson's fighting for a secondary role in a bad offense. And I just can't trust guys and playing in bad offenses that aren't the focal point, you know? Yeah. And it would be good if he were the focal point, cause he's the best player in that backfield, but Hey, I don't, I don't set the depth chart, and I, I think I agree with you. It's, it's not a great situation for him. Thanks, as always, Nick. Remember, you can follow Nick on Twitter, at Nick Minzio. You can follow Rich, at Lord Reeves. You can follow me, at RM Summerlin. Do not forget to rate and review the podcast. We very much appreciate that. Please keep doing that, and we will be back to talk to you next week. longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.